Good evening and welcome to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. This year, I promised you we were going to talk a little bit more about relationships and focus on that because I get a lot of emails. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am your host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, and I do like to hear from you. You can always email me at sextalk at cknw.com. Love your feedback. Love to know what you're interested in and hopefully you're interested in sex but uh, I've heard lately that a lot of people are interested in relationships and I wonder what that's about is that does that have to do with the lives we're leading today everyone is so busy or is it social media we're a little bit more addicted to our iPhones and our computers and, and that does provide pleasure um, when you know the the uh, you get a release of uh the hormones in the brain, the pleasure hormones in the brain when you are answering emails or getting texts and that kind of thing. So, but is it taking us away from our relationships? So if you think you're the only one in the world who is in a relationship sexual slump, you are not alone. There's research that shows that 15 to 20% of romantic relationships in Canada and the U.S. are sexless, and sexless is defined as when a couple has sex less than once a month or less than 10 times a year. Now, that is what I call a dry spell, Um, and that can really add to frustration, sexual frustration in a relationship, and sexual frustration is defined as not having sex or not having enough sex. I mean, 10 times a year is, quite frankly, not enough. Um, I don't want to get you all too excited about it there about that. But anyway, oh my gosh, there's a woman in British Columbia talking about sex. Um, Having it infrequently can definitely impact your relationship in a negative way. But the other thing that probably is another taboo subject that, you know, hold on here, guys, uh, having boring or dull sex is, uh, is, is bad for a relationship as well. And it can frustrate people and, you know, make them feel like that the relationship is waning or or troubled, or they may not feel as attractive. They may think that you're out there and you're looking for somebody else when you're actually not. You just don't really know what to do to increase that sexual slump or get you out of that sexual slump that you're in. As I mentioned, the busy lives, demanding jobs. You know, we're expected to work 14 hours a day these days. Um, or it's a darn good excuse if we are going to cheat. But anyway, oh, I'm just at work. Uh, but anyway, the jobs are demanding today, far more demanding today. Uh, And far more competitive today as well. And also families. You know, it's tough to raise a family today. It's expensive. People want to do everything. They put their kids in everything because they feel that they were deprived as children, perhaps because, you know, playing out in the backyard just wasn't good enough. So you've got to be in hockey. You've got to be in piano. You've got to be in art classes. You've got to be competing with your neighbors. And, you know, mothers and fathers are driving the kids all over God's creation to give them a perfect life. Uh, But there's no time for reflection, and that can be uh, negative for a family and for a couple when you're so busy doing everything for the kids. We're dressing the kids better than we're dressing ourselves, and that's never good either uh, because that's you know, relates to sexuality and how you present yourself to the world. And if you don't place yourself in... Uh, top priority, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of somebody else. This can, of course, lead to uh, exhaustion on both parts of 
uh, the parents, for example, whether the parents are together or whether they are apart. And so you are more likely to hit the sheets for sleep rather than for a steamy romp in the hay, as I like to say. So there are a few things you can do to supercharge your sex life. And I'm, I'm here tonight to tell you about that with it. In fact, with a few tweaks in your diet, of all things, in your daily activities, uh, a change in attitude, you can rev up that idling engine in your sex department. And that's really important because sex is critical in a relationship and sex is critical to personal satisfaction. So as I mentioned, some of the neurotransmitters, uh, when you have low dopamine in your head, um, that can lead to low libido or low sex drive, literally. The mechanisms by which a healthy libido is fostered, which includes desire and arousal, are controlled by those chemicals in the brain that are the neurotransmitters. I'm certain you've heard of serotonin and also testosterone. And so you need to tackle these neurotransmitters in order to increase your libido. And you can tackle those hormones, the testosterone and the serotonin and the dopamine, uh, by doing some common things like walking will increase your serotonin levels and actually make you feel better and, and sleep better and be happier. But also food, uh, some foods have the capacity to increase blood flow and enhance stimulation. So as I say, sex is about blood flow. It's about a heck of a lot more, but uh, on a basic level, it is about blood flow. And so anything that increases your blood flow, especially to your genitalia or to your brain, is is vital and is important for you to have in your diet. And we're also racing around and you may skip breakfast and that's a really bad idea because that will also affect your mood or you may not have eaten anything all day. I hear a lot of people say that or they eat a huge meal at dinner time. But um, there are certain foods that are good for you to eat. Of course, everything in moderation. Bananas are a good source of tyrosine. And tyrosine is the amino acid that turns nerve cells into norepinephrine and dopamine. So those are two important neurotransmitters that are necessary to increase blood flow so that the norepinephrine and the dopamine are released in your brain. And those are the love and cuddle hormones, and so that will always make things better for you. Cheese and other dairy products are well-known protein food. But, you know, they're not probably the best protein, I would say. Um, But protein is important because protein also provides amino acids, which help to support dopamine. Dopamine is really important in terms of your sexual desire. Now, another one, you may think of this in the summertime only, but watermelon, and in particular the juice, is a bonus because it's it's fat-free and it's loaded with vitamins A, B6, and C. And B6 is really important. B6 is used by the body to produce the neurotransmitters that I mentioned, the serotonin, the melatonin, which will help you to sleep, and also the dopamine. But B6 is kind of the anti-aging and um, anti-fluid retention and anti-weight gain vitamin. And so a lot of people, in particular women, are low on vitamin B6. If there's any vitamin you would take, and, and I would recommend vitamin D as well because that will ward off depression. Um, But vitamin B6 is definitely one. Uh, So if you want to improve your sex drive, one way to do this is to tackle these neurotransmitters. And you also want to work on your testosterone levels as well, in particular for men. So we're keeping with the foods that increase blood flow uh, will definitely help to work blood flow to the brain and blood flow to your genitalia. It's always good to have low-fat, high-protein diet, eat berries and fruit. Don't eat too much of any food. Cut the bread out entirely. Sugar is your enemy. 
Um, so in order to raise your natural testosterone levels, which will also help with your libido, you want to exercise. Exercise is key. And, you know, you got to exercise every day, quite honestly. But this will... When you exercise, you'll have women and men both have testosterone. Of course, men have higher levels of testosterone, but testosterone decreases as men age, and it can start to decrease at age 30. But this is an important hormone for sexual health for women and for men, and it can stimulate desire and increase libido and help to ensure sexual satisfaction. I talk about sexually satisfying events or SSEs. It's a clinical way of saying it, uh, of saying darn good sex, Um, but where people are sexually satisfied and that is important. Currently, testosterone is not approved by the FDA to treat sexual dysfunction in women, but a lot of doctors will prescribe that off-label. So there are some other potential uh, forms like testosterone gel, which is being used. Endurance and resistance training also help to boost testosterone levels in in men and women. So it's really important, especially as people are aging, and you're really starting to age by about 22, um, but starting to weight lift and um, also running. Any form of exercise is excellent. Any resistance training is good. It's um, very helpful. So you want to make sure that you are exercising, that you're trim. You want to, if you're not sleeping, you want to definitely uh, increase your exercise so that you are sleeping and, and quite honestly, stay busy. And this will help you to feel more energetic. When you're not energetic, your desire can diminish. And of course, change things up. Uh, give your partner a wish list of one or two things that will heighten a romantic or sexual experience for the two of you. Anyway, because doing things the same old, same old way is definitely not going to increase your sex life. So you're on it, but your partner's not. So how do you know your partner is not listening to you? Seven signs you're not being heard and how to fix it when I return. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am your host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the little sex show that could or hopefully does help you to just take a look at your relationship and think about things a little bit differently, in particular your sex life as it relates to your relationship. You know, you may want to improve your relationship, but your partner may not be on board, and that can be incredibly frustrating. If the lines of communication in your relationship are getting a little choppy or you feel like you're not being heard or you can't find your voice or you're not effectively speaking in your feeling because perhaps you're not getting any results, then, you know, I have a few tips for you. You know, you've got to remember that there are two people in the relationship. In some relationships, I can appreciate that there are three. Um, Sometimes they're known, sometimes they're not. Um, But that doesn't matter. Communication is important in all of these relationships. But everybody in the relationship has needs that demand to be met. Um, And this is required from two people in a relationship. For example, your time, your attention, your affection. If you're not willing to shell out any of that, really you've got to ask yourself, uh, is the relationship worth it? But you can feel frustrated and think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to talk to my partner and I'm trying to say, um, you know, what is important uh, to me. There's all these white noise aspects of a relationship. They, they don't, if a partner doesn't like what you're saying, because it's really hard for people to um, have insight and look into themselves. And in fact, insight, though, is the most beneficial aspect to becoming sex- self-actualized in life. 
um, when you have insight, you know, none of us are perfect except for me, of course. Uh, no, no, nobody's perfect. But um, it, when you think you're perfect, then you're, you know, you're really warding off a lot of people and a lot of pleasure in your life. But nobody's perfect. And we can look at ourselves and, and see, you know, maybe I might say about myself, I talk a bit too much. Um, that certainly uh, can be the case. Um, but, you know, you want to look at yourself and say, you know, what is it that, um, you know, that I do when I'm talking to my partner? Um, or is my voice too high? Do I automatically go to the same go-to? Um, but, you know, really when you, communication is actually looking at how you are communicating. And before you can never change anybody else. I always say you can only change yourself. And so before you complain that your partner is not listening to you, are you sure that what you are saying is important enough to them? Number one, there's a really fine line between nagging and expressing yourself empathically. So empathically is putting yourself into somebody else's position. And we all know most of us can become a little agitated at, at times, especially if we are frustrated. And I see this a lot in my clinical practice where, especially in between uh, men and women, because men and women have different communication styles and even between men and men and women and women, because it can happen with uh, same-sex relationships as well. But really, you need to look at yourself and how you are delivering the message. How are you speaking about it? Is it something that you're doing that is actually uh, causing your partner to behave in a certain way? So are you controlling, number one? Control is a big issue. Are you controlling the finances? Are you controlling what you have for dinner every single night? Are you controlling... Uh, what the kids are allowed to do. Are you controlling who you spend the holidays with, whether it's be your parents or their parents or whomever? Um, you know, do you, do you have a tendency to manipulate? And you know if you can manipulate somebody. Um, you know if you have that ability to do that because minds work in certain ways. Are you strategic? Are you a strategic type of person? And then you apply that strategy to somebody else to get what you want. Um, are you mean? You know, is are you name calling? These are definitely things in a relationship that will uh, that are toxic. Do you demean somebody? Do you attack somebody? By the same token, do you feel attacked when somebody wants to speak? Your partner wants to speak to you about something. Um, you know, is it time for you to stop speaking? And and you know, you really have to pick your battles. What are the things worth talking about? So. You know, for example, uh, bad habits. Let's get into that. Everybody has bad habits. So say your partner is messy. They throw things all over the floor or whatever. I mean, you can just, you know, pick them up and, um, you know, do you really need to speak up about this kind of a thing? Are, are they good in other ways? Um, you know, do, does it balance out? You know, we all live a certain way. Somebody may like to prepare their meal and sit down and eat it and then clean up afterward. Does that bother you? Does, does the house have to be absolutely perfect? And if does it drive you crazy if it's not? And then do you take it out on your partner? Um, what's the share of duties in a relationship? Um, there's no such thing as complacency in any relationship. Certain things need to be acknowledged and certain, like remembering anniversaries, for example, meeting your family or spending time with your friends and, and also being affectionate when the time calls for it. And also, um, you know, there's a, been a question recently, do you have to have 
um, duty sex, and that's really for women. Um, because generally men have higher sexual desire than women do. Some women have higher sexual desire than, um, than some men. But, um, but sometimes, you know, when, when there's desire discrepancy, regardless of whether it's, whether it's the man or the woman, or whether in a same-sex relationship there is desire discrepancy, somebody's busier, somebody's more tired, somebody feels like they have the lion's share of the duties to do, is it your duty to have duty sex with your partner? I, I, I have to say yes. I think sometimes that can be the dull and boring sex, but sometimes it can turn out great as well. But I think it's important because it is a biological need, especially for men. Men need to have sex and it's important for their health, helps with helps them with sleep and mood and anger and dealing with life's issues and facing the day, quite honestly. Um you know, big decisions have to be discussed as well. So they may be around work or about around buying a house and is either person being heard. So you you have to actually discuss those. They can be difficult because somebody may want to borrow more money than the other person. Somebody may be more comfortable with, with certain risk in a relationship or, you know, that they're happy to borrow an excessive amount of money at a very low interest rate where somebody else may want to pay cash. And so that may mean you living in Vancouver versus living in, I don't know, Cloverdale, you know, further out anyway. And I'm not to say that it's not lovely in Cloverdale. I'm certain that it is, but uh, the price of houses are, are very different. So also, you know, saving for the future, uh, needs to be discussed. You may be dealing with a partner who has subjective memory loss. None of us like to remember anything that is painful or that wasn't our idea or, um, you know, they keep forgetting what you asked, but they remember, you know, other things that you don't think are that important as well. Um, or, you know, people may become busy whenever you start to talk because a lot of people don't like to face problems. But if you don't face the problem, then you actually will never be able to solve the problem because as hard as it is to get a problem on a table, it's really the first step and the most important thing to do um, to deal with uh, uh, any problems. Um, so these are lots of issues that I've, I've brought up here on, on some of the communication problems and some of the issues that, um, that, that can be frustrating, comparing your situation to other people. Well, we don't have as much debt as the Joneses or, um, you know, our children are way better than the so-and-sos. None of them have ended up in jail. Um, but that doesn't help in your situation. You have to stick with your own situation, and, and sometimes we don't um, do that. They can procrastinate the problems by sleeping on it or giving you all these excuses, or, or they lash out and make you feel badly about it. So these are some of the issues. So what are you going to do? Um, so one thing you can do is to show them what will happen if they don't listen. You know, it's easy to say, but pretty difficult to put into action. Um, but if they don't want to wash the dishes, you might want to stop cooking. Okay. You can just grab a muffin on the way home. Um, you know, you can actually just let the house go. If the house is the issue, just, just show them don't, you know, words are not working. Reverse psychology is always beneficial. It's one of my favorite uh, ways to go about something. You know, if, if somebody feels (laughs) that, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're bothered about something, just show that you're not even bothered. You don't even need them. It doesn't even matter. And you'll see them coming right back. It's human nature. Um, we, we want something way more that we have lost or we, or we are, are going to lose. Um, you may want to schedule an intervention. Uh, if you bring some other people in, I don't know, that's a tough one because, you know, it's, it's privacy issues. Um, you may try 
giving a presentation. People can view things a little bit better when they see it on PowerPoint slides or, you know, and it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Texting, it's simpler than talking. And so texting might be a, a little way to, um, you know, to deal with some of the issues or to get them to uh, come to the place where they need to get to. Anyway, ultimatums I'm not big on, but they may work for you. Anyway, um, you want to get, may give, want to give yourself some space or take a break from the relationship. So that pretty much sums it all up for you. But, uh, you know, what if the problem has been that you find out your partner has been cheating on you? Well, how do you find love again after you've been cheated on? After the news, I'm going to address all that. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a sex therapist. I have a clinical practice here in Vancouver, and I also host this show every Sunday night. Uh, you can email me at sextalk at cknw.com. You can always give me a call as well, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Anyway, I talk about all of the taboo is what I like to say. The Yes, they are subjects that are uncomfortable for people to hear, to listen um, to, but they are subjects I feel that are that are necessary. And, you know, not everybody's on my side about this. Recently, I uh, said to someone, hey, this nurse that I've known for a, a while and uh, has been a colleague of mine, I said, she's not so nice to me lately. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, she's not. We know that. And I said, you know, like, what's up? I didn't, I had no idea. What have I done? And And they said, well, she doesn't like the fact that you... Uh, do a sex show. She thinks it's unprofessional. She thinks, (laughs) I mean, it's about health, really, and it's about relationships, but I don't really like to get into a defensive position. That's okay. Um, And I said, oh, wow, I was really, I was actually really quite surprised. So she's angry at me. And so she's not actually speaking to me. She's snubbing me. That's the way to deal with it. Anyway, but at least I know what the problem is. Um, Of note is that the BCNU, the British Columbia Nurses Union, asked me to speak at their annual general meeting last year and this year as well. So if the nursing union doesn't have a problem with it, uh, but anyway, it's fine. You know, you've got to accept that sometimes and you have to accept what is in life. And, you know, sometimes in relationships, you find out that somebody has cheated on you. And it's so, that's one of the most heartbreaking things that can happen. I've heard so many stories uh, of heartbreak, um, of learning that uh, a person has been cheated on. One story in particular, a an, an ex-husband had told his wife that, uh, now ex-husband had told his wife that this person at work, this woman at work was in love with him and that and he felt so badly about that and that she'd actually tried to commit suicide over it. And that was that was true. Um, he was spending longer time at work and and he was having all of these excuses why she didn't need to come to events with him and uh, for work. And one night he stayed out till five o'clock in the morning. And he, when he came home, he said that he had been comforting that woman at work who was in love with him because she just felt so badly about it and she was sobbing. And the wife actually believed him the whole time because denial is a drug. She did eventually find out that he was, in fact, in love with this other woman, much younger woman than he was, and they did split up. And she's heartbroken, needless to say, and she just couldn't imagine how he could leave his family and his children and his life and and all of their friends and their family, and um, she just couldn't believe it. And and it was a, about a year and a half or two years after this had happened that I met her, and and she still wasn't really over it. She was a competent, self-confident 
professional woman, brilliant woman, and I mean, she was devastated. And you know, as a lot of women say, I will never, I, I never want to get married again, or I'll never be with anybody again, or I can never learn to trust anybody again. But you know what? That may not be the case. And oftentimes, I hear of so many stories as well that people have been cheated on, have a terrible breakup, and then they find somebody, the love of their life, and it's a healthier and happier relationship. So if you're brave enough to give love another chance after a breakup or a divorce because of infidelity, how do you put your heart in somebody else's hands again? You've done it once, you've been brokenhearted, and how much should your past relationship color your new relationship? And you know what? This happens so frequently that people will say, well, you know, he used to go horseback riding, so I don't let my new uh, husband go horseback riding because that's when he cheated on me or they have these bad memories. But, you know, you got to let go and feel safe again. And that's really up to you. Um, and it just, it does depend on how fresh the betrayal is in your heart and in your mind. And so you do, it's, it's grief. It's, you need to go through the grieving process. You need to, denial, of course, is, is huge. And the first step on that um, grieving process and anger and sadness. And you may repeat these steps of the grieving cycle over and over until, you know, you, you'll get to depression and you'll then eventually get to acceptance. But you may jump around. You may get into denial and anger and then depression and sadness and then go back to denial and then back to, you might go to acceptance and then jump back to anger. So just know that and, and feel those feelings and go through it because it's really important. You've got to learn from your past experience. It is never your fault if somebody cheats on you in in a way. But, but it is important to look at your role in any relationship that has broken down because it, it can be, whether it be you're too forgiving and you're too kind, that can contribute to somebody taking advantage of you. You know, the be mean, keep them keen is an old adage that does work because it works with, <laughs> it works because as humans, we want what we can't have and, and we don't appreciate what we have until we've lost it. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, so you, you might need to be, um, a little, little bit more open, a little more trusting. Um, and maybe you need to just get a little bit wiser. Maybe you were a bit of a fool and, um, in your self-proclaimed foolishness, I'm not telling you that you were a fool, but, um, you know, there is, it is possible for people to heal from infidelity. And the best thing to do is to learn from the experience. So you're not carrying it around. So it doesn't hurt you forever. And that doesn't impact your next relationship. Because if you bring it to the ne your next relationship, it's going to be problematic. Believe you me. Um, you know, if you have feelings of suspicion or distrust in your new relationship, um, you know, you have to really be realistic. And, and do you really have a reason to doubt your partner's fidelity? Or are you just bringing that baggage from the past into your new relationship? So it's also hard for somebody to be accused of something or falsely accused constantly in a relationship because of your fear, because of your fear that you didn't resolve, because you didn't process the pain of your past relationship, and you didn't process what had happened. You know, were you with somebody who cheated? Um, this is pretty common. You, you, met him at the office, he was married, you fell in love, had the great affair, and boom, you're now married to him, you got a couple of kids, and guess what? He's cheating again. It's really common because if they don't actually look at their issues and why they cheat, then they're going to do that again. So I'm always surprised at women who are the second wife or the third wife, but they cheated with their present husband on their first wife with them, and then they're surprised that he's cheated again on them. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of karma. 
you know, that happens, but a little bit of once a cheater, always a cheater. So you've got, you do have to watch out for that, but, but it doesn't necessarily mean every partner you hook up with or you end up with is a cheater. And you know, you really have to get over your previous relationship. That's why the processing is so important. A lot of people jump right into the next relationship and without going through the grieving process and, you know, you'll have residual emotions from your past and it's, it's never good. And so you really, you might need to get some counseling. You might need to go to speak to somebody and, you know, and cry it out. I'm all for tears. I'm all for crying. I think it's a great way to process it and, and to get through the pain and you release a lot of the pain, um, through the tears. It's, it's actually quite helpful. I'm sure the guys out there are not happy that I'm telling women to cry more because we, we do have a tendency to cry more, but I've certainly seen uh, men cry as well. Um, it's just a way, you know, and, and also being honest with your new partner about the healing that you're, that you've been through and, and what it was like for you. And, and so really getting in touch with your feelings, you know, look at yourself and make sure you're being truly trustworthy. So you never want to cheat just for the sake of cheating or to get back at somebody, it's never good. So being totally trustworthy in the relationship, in the new relationship, um, is always helpful. Are you the type that always gets stuck with cheaters? Have the last three people you've been with cheated on you? Then you, you maybe need to look at yourself and you need to look at what is it that you're doing that may be contributing not to their cheating, but to having a relationship that is less than trustworthy. Um, but if you keep uh, falling for people who cheat on you, it may be because of how you were wired when you were growing up. I'm not huge on looking at your childhood and picking it completely apart, but people do pick up things from their environment that, that do feel familiar. And we all have a magnetism to anything that is familiar because we don't have as much fear around it. It does seem counterintuitive. Some people go the exact opposite um, with what they have uh, grown up with, but nobody looks for a relationship that is going to hurt them. Um, but if you start out with somebody new, you know, they deserve a clean slate. And there's some processing you need to do um, before you uh, will should engage in a relationship with them. You owe that to yourself uh, to use your past experience to be more observant and wiser this time around. Anyway, um, so you're in a new relationship. That is fantastic. So you've been now a year and a half or so and things are getting dull. Well, how might you introduce kink into your new relationship? I'm going to talk about that when I return. I'm Maureen McGrath and you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Okay, welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. The subjects tonight have been heavy. Yes, I realize that, but they're important subjects. And, you know, they you may be able to relate to some of those. And, and a lot of it, a lot of the relationships can be very painful and very Hurtful, but you know what? You can have fun in your relationship too, and it doesn't necessarily mean um, for a new relationship. You could be in a relationship for 15, 20 years, and um, the sex could get dull. And so tonight, because it's a little bit closer to the later hour, I'm going to give you uh, some suggestions to have a little bit more sex that is a bit more fun than you have ever imagined. Uh, As we all know, sex is great, especially in the beginning, and uh, that's part of my show too. I'm trying to remind you how great sex can be and how good it is for your health and for your relationship. But in the beginning, you know, you can't 
keep your hands off the other person. It seems, you know, anytime, anywhere. It's so much fun. And then you get into paying a mortgage and raising the kids. And, you know, it can get a little bit dull or dutified. But uh, there are certain things that you may want to do to keep yourselves both interested and satisfied. So you don't want to get yourself stuck with a sex life that is worn edgeless by routine and complacency. There's nothing that kills the spark like routine and complacency. But it doesn't have to remain that way. You know, I'm going to try and give you some what I feel is sound advice to crank up the kink in your bedroom and in your sex life. You can add a little bit or a lot. Um, And you can start slow. Uh, You know, it's fun for everybody. Um, but not everybody feels the same, feels the suggestions would be um, acceptable or the same for them. And, you know, like what's one man's treasure is someone else's trash. But um, so we can apply that here as well. Um, so you don't want to, you want to talk about increasing the spark in your sex life or, or making it more fun. You don't want to pull out any new moves in the moment, okay? Because that may, you may get a startled reaction from either the man or the woman or whomever, whoever you're in the relationship with. But you may want to discuss your ideas and turn-ons long before you hit the sheets, uh, you know, maybe over dinner or um, and just start lightly. You may start the conversation over a glass of wine uh, at dinner or some place where you're both comfortable and you're relaxed. Um, it's really important to begin the talk with relatively tame fantasies. Everybody fantasizes about sex. And if you're not, then there's a problem. It's actually very healthy to fantasize about sex when you're not having sex or when you're having sex. But you want to start out with some tame fantasies or role-playing ideas. So you want to ease into this new way of um, having a great sex um, because you don't want to make the other person uncomfortable Um, And you want to maybe ask the other person what they're into, what their um, fantasy is. And you're making it about the other person's desires, and that can be very generous as well. And and it's healthy. And even talking about uh, fantasies is, you know, can be positive and confident. And you also want to, you know, be positive and confident about what you may be into or what may feel good for you. And you don't want to look you know, terrified once you've made the request or or seem nervous. So that's why confidence is key. The other thing is you don't have to have kink in your relationship uh, in, in every single sexual experience. It can just be from, you know, time and time again um, or, you know, maybe once a month or, you know, it can be a little bit irregular. And it doesn't have to be five things each time for every single session. Um, sometimes you got to have that duty sex, like I said, and that can be that just that dull, okay, let's get it over with sex. You feel better? Okay, go to sleep. Um, kind of a thing. <laughs> yes, I treat sex like shampoo sometimes. You got to have it. Anyway, you got to do it. You got to wash your hair. You got to have sex. Um, you never want to force anything. If you're, you know, you can suggest something and she may or he may not be into it. And you've got to accept that. That's fine because putting up a fight, you're never going to change somebody else's mind. But it may open up an idea um, to rethink things and think, well, maybe I'm I'm really not into that. But, you know, I might be into this. Uh, so, you know, that you, it, it may just uh, open things up, shall we say. 
But, um, you know, watching some porn or reading erotica together may help you also charge up. And it can be light porn. You know, there's a, a new TV show on. I think it's actually kind of pornographic a little bit in a different way for women. It's called The Affair. And it's on uh, at 10 o'clock at night. I have no idea what channel it's on. But, you know, uh, he's he's got four kids in a minivan and a wealthy father-in-law. So anyway, that pretty much sizes him up. And uh, and he's pretty unhappy in his marriage. And, um, and he meets this beautiful younger woman. He looks a little bit like a Richard Chamberlain type, a little bit rough, rougher around the edges. But anyway, there's something appealing about him. There's something attractive about him. And, and for women in porn, you've got to be somewhat attracted to whatever you're into, men or women, in, in the um, uh, film or in the, in the show or whatever. And so then he is, um, he's met this younger woman, woman who's absolutely gorgeous. His wife, of course, looks harried and terrible, and she could not look worse. She's an attractive woman, but they don't do anything to make her up. And then he's got this woman that he's met, and, and she's younger, and she seems self-confident. She seems like she's got it all together in the beginning, but actually she's absolutely crazy. You learn about that later. But, um, but the two of them have sex three times. The first time I watched that show, they had sex three times in the hour of the show. So that's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, there were all sorts of different scenes, and it is TV in Hollywood. But, but you know what? It, it is arousing. Watching something like that uh, can be arousing. So it doesn't have to be the typical porn that you're thinking, um, you know, the hardcore porn um, movies and that kind of thing that, you know, maybe appeal to men more so than women. So keep that in mind. Also, Fifty Shades of Grey, um, you know, wasn't a blockbuster book because guys were reading it. Women were reading that book. In fact, I had a student that was going to come and spend some time with me in my clinic to see patients and she never turned up. And, and then I asked her why she didn't come. And she said that she was reading a book and she couldn't put it down. She said, actually it was a trilogy and she was reading 50 shades of gray instead of coming. She never called me anyway. That is a true story. Anyway. Um, I'm not sure what the, what the benefit is, but obviously 50 shades of gray won over my clinic. Uh, so women are, are reading that. And so you could read that together. And in, there's so much, um, erotic material in books today, and just even reading passages from books can be very helpful. Um, so, you know, wh- when you've agreed on some new moves to try, you want to do your homework about it. So say you have agreed to try anal sex for the first time or introduce a new sex toy into your uh, bedroom. There are some right and wrong ways uh, to go about them. So you want to know the pitfalls ahead of time, and that will avoid uh, any problems. And it's always good to be preemptive here, prophylactic. Um, but lubrication is extremely important with anal sex and actually reading about it and the understanding the nerves in the anus and, and the cavities as well and also the increased you know she may be having um increased orgasmic experiences or orgasms that she can't handle uh, that are just even far too much um so it's important to understand that understanding the anatomy and physiology and you know you may have his nights and you may have her nights and so tonight is his fantasy and tomorrow is hers and that can be um you know just very important to understand as well the kids can kill kink every time so keeping a lock on your door or dropping the kids off with your parents or getting away to a hotel or also having a hiring a babysitter to take the kids out 
uh, may be the most economic way, especially in January, and we've got all the Christmas bills to pay. Um, so it'll actually help, to, you know, because you don't want to be disconnected or, or distracted. Um, and that can uh, definitely have an impact on that. So in the end, remember that your relationship is more important than the experience you're having in the moment. And, you know, you may want to just bond afterward. A, a nice hug and a kiss is always very bonding. And, you know, and, and be grateful. Appreciate that somebody went a little bit further outside of their comfort zone, you know, for you because they loved you and because they were attracted to you. Um and, you know, make sure you walk away or try and walk away from the new experience, you know, feeling satisfied and uh, and willing to try it again soon. And that's for both of you. Anyway, and, and if things went wrong, well, you know, how can you do it better the next time? Anyway, that kind of wraps things up for tonight. But when I come back, I'm going to tell you about where I'm going to be in the new year. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, your host. I can't believe that we are halfway uh, through January already. It seems like Christmas was uh, just yesterday. Anyway, we've got a big year ahead of us. Uh, As you may or may not know, I have been writing a book, and that uh, I worked a lot on that over the Christmas holidays. And uh, lots of my advice, and uh, hopefully you see as wisdom, will be coming out in that book. Uh, deals with a lot of um, the patient cases that I've seen and, and things that maybe present a little unusually but are very common situations. Um, so hopefully, just, just one way to disseminate some of this sex information. Um, in another way, also I'm speaking at a number of events this year. Uh, number one, I will be at the Wellness Show here in Vancouver on February 14th, the day that Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie, comes out. So I look forward to that. I'm also, I'll be speaking at some other health and wellness shows around the province and in the western part of Canada as well. So I'll, uh, I'll let you know when those are happening. Uh, way down the end of the year, I'm already booked for the Trial Lawyers Association of British Columbia. Yeah, they want to talk to this expert too. Anyway, go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter, at back2thebedroom. When you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.